thank God for North Carolina. I love North Carolina people. I want you to know I've been, I've been all over the world. I lived in Georgia, and they claim to be the most friendly people. Um, but I promise you, for the last two years, I lived in Charlotte, and I have been blown away, and I absolutely brag on all over the world how friendly, warm, awesome North Carolina people are. Come on. And I want to tell you how excited I am to be in this church today. I've, I've been um, in the Toronto with the people there and different churches, and it is incredible when a church has no fear of what people think or say, they just are open to whatever God wants to do. How many of you know that's a very dangerous church to the devil? Come on, somebody. And so um, I want to tell you tonight, I'm going to believe, and what we've been seeing is the roughest crowd, I believe, in the history of this church. I've got to warn you, it's not going to be a Christian concert crowd. It won't be an Easter cantata crowd. God has given us a tool to draw the community into the church. And I've been doing this now for over 30 years. But the last two years, I've seen something I've never seen. And that is every single week, we are seeing people get saved that change the whole county. In the last few months, we had two mayors get saved, a police chief, a federal judge, um, a captain of the 747s to uh, um, South Korea, an airline pilot they prayed for. Just the other day, I was in Houston, Texas, and there were about 20 men that came in, and they had all these gold chains around their neck, and they obviously were not church people. And I asked one of them, and he told me, he goes, you see that man right there with us? He's the number two drug trafficker in the state of Texas. And I said, what are you all doing here? We said, we saw your posters, and we had seen you on TV, so we wanted to come. That night, all of them, but the one first was the number two drug trafficker in the state of Texas. He came forward. He got saved. And while he's standing there crying, there's a woman in the back with half of her face tattooed. And so she comes running forward, screaming Jesus. And all of a sudden, I saw something I've never seen. I thought the church had fog machines in the church. So I turned to the pastor and I said, do you have fog machines? He goes, no, brother. That's a glory cloud. And I've heard about it and read about it, but under that anointing that you could actually see like a fog, the pastor said, John, pray for people in my church to get jobs. And I just did what he said. I called jobs out of heaven under that anointing, and 12 people came back out of their cars after the service that had jobs called in their, their cell phones. Now, let me tell you, Listen to this. I want everybody to hear me closely. The favorite place for angels to be is where people are getting saved. Let me tell you, God's heartbeat is for souls. Let me tell you, if we could see hell for two seconds and heaven for two seconds, we would crawl on our knees across this city to tell one person how to be saved. And I just want to say to everybody here, I'm believing tonight for several hundred people to be saved. I want to ask, I want to ask every one of you, awesome, amazing North Carolina people, to call five people this afternoon. I want to ask you to go invite your neighbor. I want you to call some people. And you know, just a while back, a man came, and I looked down, he had come forward to get saved, and he had the most vulgar T-shirt on. His hair was wild. And I went down to talk to him because he was crying because Jesus is a friend to sinners. For God so loved the world, not just the church. And I went down, and you know what he whispers to me? I robbed two banks. I said, what? He goes, he's accepting Jesus, but he's telling me he's a modern-day bank robber. So I, I didn't know what to say. So all I said was, if you invite every criminal you know for tomorrow night service, we'll break the handcuffs just for you. He believed me. 
And the next night, he walked in that church with 19 men. You know who they were? The leading crystal meth dealers in that county. All 19 men came forward and got saved. And guess what? The sheriff calls me. And you know what the sheriff tells me? Two weeks later, your meeting changed the atmosphere of the county. Now, let me tell you. You know what? We don't need just another church service. We don't need just another get-together. We need a God happening that changes something. Come on, somebody. I said that changes something. Come on. I'm going to believe tonight it's going to send shockwaves in the spirit for hundreds of miles. Come on. How many of you will agree with me that we're going to see, literally, it's been on, the Holy Spirit has been on a roll almost every week. Two weeks ago, we saw two hell's angels get saved. Uh, probably two out of the last four pastors told me the meanest, roughest man in their city was getting saved right down front. We go into hundreds of public schools with my team of five ex-NFL players, the world's strongest man who's here this morning that pulled a 747 jet, and we put a message of hope in those kids' hearts, and we invite them to come back that night with their parents to the church, and they come by the hundreds. But I've been doing this for over 30 years, but I've never seen what I'm seeing right now in the schools. I want to tell you, listen to this, we are in a spiritual warfare and I'm telling you, you're in the greatest time to be alive for the kingdom of God. And I want you to look me in the eye and I want to tell you something. America's kids are under an all-out assault from hell. The scripture says when the devil knows his time is short. And you know the prophecy that I'm hearing around the world? Let me tell you, I, I, I know people all over the world. And what gets my attention when I hear the same prophecies that they don't know each other and you know what they're saying? That in the second half of this year, 2017, there's coming a revival that's going to be different like the Brownsville or Azusa Street. It's going to be what's called in the Bible in the last days, it's going to be God's going to pour out his spirit. It's going to be an outpouring, and it's going to be bigger than all the other revivals combined, and it's called an outpouring. And I believe this church is going to be right smack dab in the middle of it. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. And you know something? Listen, when I've been going, in, we go in these public schools, and we have a vision this before the end of this year to go to all the public schools in the Raleigh-Durham. We just recently were in 34 schools in two days in um, the two counties over from here and had over 800 people and their families get saved. I've, you know what? It's one thing when we're in the church, but if we get to go where they are, where preachers can't go, and we're able to put a message of hope in these kids' hearts, and then we're, under the anointing, invite them back to see the other feats of strength to the church, and they come by the hundreds with their unsaved dads, parents that never been in church. You know what happened? I got a letter the other day from Melissa. Melissa said to me, you came to my school last year, and on the way to school, I cut myself 98 times. She said, the reason I cut myself was because my dad called me an idiot every day. She said, but that night, I came back to the church and got saved. And she said, the next night, my dad came, and he got saved. And she said, I'm on the volleyball team now. And she said, my dad never misses a game. And ever since Jesus, he's never put me down. He only cheers me on. And you know what she said? If you ever get tired of going to the schools, just remember the next school you go to will have someone just like me. And I want to tell you that I've been doing this a long time, but I've never seen the spiritual assault. Target's taken down their boys and girls sign and said, we don't call them boys and girls anymore. It's, it's whatever they want to be. In fact, right now in England, you are not allowed to refer to him or her and even use gender when referring to a young person. Young people are so confused and so hurt, and all of hell is coming after America's kids. It takes a lot to shake me up, but I was in West Virginia re recently, and in a be beautiful high school, two teenagers came up to me and said, thanks for what you said today, John Jacobs. We had already made a suicide pact to cut our wrist tonight, and my mom showed me how to do it. She said, you cut it down, you don't cut across because my mom said she wanted me sure to finish the job. That night, I'm at the church, 
And I look down. There stands both those girls with their mom in the middle, all of them crying, smiling, asking Jesus in their heart. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen? If we have a chance to go after them, I believe America's public schools is the greatest mission field. And I believe God is pouring out a spirit of last day outpouring that this is our moment. God is raising up heroes in the church. And how many think we can't afford to miss our moment? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. You know what? Hey, we have millions of years to sing, shout, dance in heaven. Heaven's a real city, and we're going to sing forever, and we're going to praise God. We're going to call his character forever. But this is our little moment. This is your moment to make a difference for God. You've been born for such a time as this. You are here for more than to take up space and breathe oxygen. You, God has counted the hairs on your head. I want to tell you, nobody else has your fingerprint, your retina print, tongue print, toe print. And I want to tell you that what God has for you, he doesn't have for anyone else. And God has ordained you to be a world changer and a history maker. He wants to put you at the right place at the right time. God wants to open doors no man can shut. The Bible says God raises one up. God brings another down. Promotion is from the Lord. And when you plug into God's favor, it's the spout where the glory comes out. And how many think that's the most exciting life in the world? Come on, somebody. I said, come on, somebody. So here it is. I want to ask every one of you to invite five people. I want, you, I want you to shock me. I want you to surprise me. I want to see this place packed tonight. In fact, I, there are five members of my team, and I brought the three biggest for tonight. And I just want to real, real quickly introduce them to you. First of all, he played three years for the Chicago Bears. His brother's on the team. We played seven for the Carolina Panthers. And... He is, was an All-American in college. He stands six foot six, 340 pounds. Give um, Jerome King a big hand. Come on, Jerome. And then And uh, then it, there's another man on our team that's here that has bench-pressed over 700 pounds. He, was, he played arena football. He's bigger around his chest than he is tall. And guess what? Guess what he's going to do tonight? He weighs 340 pounds, and he's going to do 20 strict push-ups all the way down, all the way up, with Jerome standing on his back to make it over 700 pounds. From St. Louis, Missouri, give Matt Stout a big hand. Come on, Matt. Right there, look forward. Now, and the other man that's here, lady, you may have seen him on CBS. He was the world's strongest man. The only man in the history of the world to be put into a jacket chained to a 747, 500-ton jet. And they said no man has ever pulled a 747. But he pulled it over 100 feet. He deadlifted a car 28 times. He's a four-time national champion, black belt. And ladies and gentlemen, he loves Jesus with all of his heart. Give Dave Dennison a big hand. Come up here, Dave. Now, now listen, everybody may be seated. How many of you understand when we go into a school and we snap some bats and break handcuffs, the young people who wouldn't listen, they, they listen. And you know what? That's not just it. It's the anointing. Because we call on the anointing in that public school. And we were in a school of 5,000, biggest school in Alabama. And the principal was a Jehovah Witness. And you know what? I called on the anointing, 
And we spoke to those young people under the anointing, and they start standing up, announcing out loud, I'm not going to do drugs anymore. I'm not going to get high anymore. The principal was so flipped out, he canceled classes for the rest of the day and said all the students that want to talk with the power force, go next door. We prayed with and talked to over 500 students. Almost all of them came back that night to the church, including the principal. And most of them, almost all of them, including the principal, got saved. Now he still attends that Assembly of God church. And here's what, you know what, listen to this. We have two more on our team, but I want to tell you that we have been based out of Texas for over 20 years, but we are moving and we have opened an office three months ago in Raleigh. And listen to this, and November 1st, you know the Lord spoke to me prophetically about North Carolina. I have never seen in any state in America right now, the schools are the most open and the principals... This is God, I, I raise my right hand and promise you, this state is best suited for revival of any state in America. In fact, you know what? Listen, from the time, from the time I was in 15 years old in church, I've heard it prophesied that from some of the world leaders that, that they're becoming a revival out of the Carolinas that will shake the world. And you know something? I told... Um, Pastor Duncan and JT and, and uh, Mur, Pastor Murray, two, three, three of the most Jesus-like guys I've ever met in my life, by the way, that I, I don't want to just be a visiting ministry to this church. Um, I'm moving here personally about 10 minutes away, November 1st. And you know what? Listen, I want to be a friend to this church. Now, let me tell you, I don't say that. I've never said that before, I don't believe. But you know what I... Can I just talk to you personal for a moment? I have never seen the spirit. When we go into these schools, we were in 34 schools in two days in the county right over here. I have never seen the spiritual warfare. We are, I believe that we are in the last of the last days. And how many think one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000? How many know when we all pull together, we can pull all whole cities back to God? Come on, somebody. And... So tonight, tonight, I want us to have a meeting of friends and give the devil the worst Sunday night he's ever had in Durham, North Carolina. Listen to this. You know what I've, asked? I've told these guys? I said, I want you to do go the extra mile. Tonight, you're going to do 20 push-ups all the way down the way. When Jerome stands on your back, that's pressing 750 pounds 20 times. You're going to bend an inch and a half of steel. You're going to snap the three bats at once. This man right here, you've heard, you've heard about me Snape snapping baseball bats? He snaps them over his head. He, 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 show him the size of your hands. He rips a phone book, not with his hands, but in his teeth. He chews through two North Carolina license plates. And guess what? Tonight, we're going to be snapping the handcuffs. Um, Matt takes a hammer from Home Depot and uses his arms his left arm was almost amputated when he was 22 years old, and they said that, that he was going to lose his arm. 50,000 pounds fell on it, but God did a miracle and saved his arm. Now he has perhaps one of the strongest arms in the world, and tonight he's going to snap a hammer with his grip. We're going to be, tonight, should I tell him? Sure, watch this. Look at the size of his hand. This man can squeeze a soft drink can till it explodes. And he, and he takes an unopened soft drink can, and he can crush it over his head with a tremendous impact. But I, you know what? Tonight, tonight, you know something? About three weeks ago, we did this with the pastor, because the pastor worked out with a former NFL player. And I said, tonight, if everybody invites five people, Jerome's going to run across the stage, jump through the air, and crush an unopened soft drink can over the pastor's head. And hey, listen, no, it worked. That church had 500 people. That night, they had 1,200. We had 400 people get saved. And you know what? I want to just say, I believe, Brother JT, you're the man for tonight. Will you stand up? And... Stand, stand up. All right, listen. If, 
If everybody here invites five friends for the, if you, how many of you think if we all, if every one of you made an effort for tonight, that would move God? And so if you're going to have a can crushed over your head, and it is scary, we've had, it is, I had a pastor the other day said, what does it really feel like at lunch? And I said, I sound like a bumblebee sting, I'm pretty high. But how many of you know this whole town might show up to see him get a can crushed over his head? So, so here's what I want to say. Tonight, we are not doing a church program. We've came, we've come here to go fishing with this church. Because God is calling you into a season of fishers of men. God's heartbeat is souls. Heaven bigger, hell smaller. And I want to say tonight... I want to ask all of you to be here at 6 o'clock and invite people this afternoon. I'm claiming 200 brand new people. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to search out the roughest people in this town and be here tonight. Can we just go crazy tonight? Can we just go crazy? All, can we go out? Jerome, can, we, can, you, share, can you share your testimony? Can, can, we, can we believe God for the, one of the biggest nights ever? And how many think, hey, with us moving to Raleigh, we want to be a part. We, I understand. We, we, I love this church, and I love your pastors. I want to promise you there's not more loving ministers in the world than, this, than Brother Duncan right here and Brother JT and Brother Murray. They're three of the most loving men. And so, but, we, but this is our moment to give the devil the worst Sunday night he's ever had in Durham. So everybody say souls. I'm believing God for miracles tonight. I mean, we have... And just recently, when people get saved, miracles break out, angels will be here. I'm believing that people are going to be delivered, set free. Um, I just uh, want to say, don't miss tonight. At, be here early. Be here at 6 o'clock. And let's give these men a big hand. Come on, everybody. Thank you, guys. Amen. Now I'm just going to ask everybody to be seated. Please, nobody moving. I'm not going to speak long, but I want you to know I've been praying for two weeks about being here this morning. And I believe in this church. I said, I believe in this church. And I begin praying, God, what is the prophetic word for this church? Because I don't believe in just giving a preaching a message. I don't do just speaking engagements. I ask God for divine appointments to be with the right people at the right place at the right time. And if you get the right word to those right people, you can have a God happening that changes everything. Come on. And so this morning, I want to just share with you what I felt the Holy Spirit put in my heart. And I was praying, and I, I prophetically, the Lord wants you to know that everything he is is a redeemer, a restorer, and a reconciler. And that God loves to turn setback stories into comeback stories. He finds pleasure. He finds pleasure in turning setback stories into comeback stories. And I'm going to pray that everyone in this church that's ever had a setback, that God's going to give you a comeback story before the end of this year. But this morning, listen to me closely. We are living in a different time in a different spiritual warfare. And I believe God prophetically has revealed to me the more, a, a powerful tool for these last days that every one of you should walk in. And I want to tell you that I'm going to share this and I'm going to pray this and impart this to you and I'm going to raise my right hand and promise you something. If you receive this, the devil will never be able to push you around again. And ladies and gentlemen, God wants to take you to the next level, open a new season of God's favor and God's promotion over your family, your finances, and your future. This is a year, if you've ever believed God, God is a redeemer, he's a restorer, and he is a reconciler. That's everything. God wants to redeem the time you've lost. God wants to 
reconcile you to your dream that you let go of. And how many of you understand that he wants to restore the joy and restore the fire in you and give you a new passion for souls and for what he got? Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, I want to share with you one of the gifts of the Spirit that I've never seen a church pray for. I want to tell you that I've, I've grown up in Spirit-filled churches, and I believe in the gift of tongues. I believed in the gift. I believed in the gift of healing. Not too long ago, there was, I saw a pastor with my own eyes in Africa. He had a dead girl, six years old, and he preached with this dead girl. She had died recently, within a few hours. She was not breathing. She was dead. And he preached with this young dead girl. Her body just hung and there was no breathing. And he began to confess that God is faithful and God is able. And before he was done with this message, I saw her jump out of his arms and run. So I want to tell you, no, I believe in the gift of healing. I believe in the gift of prophecy. I believe in the gift of discerning of spirits. I believe in the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. But ladies and gentlemen, there's one gift I have never seen a church pray for that's listed there with the other gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And right now you need to fasten your seatbelts and hang on to your seats because it's going to get powerful in this place. One of the gifts of the Spirit is called the gift of faith. It's listed with the other gifts, and I have seen churches pray for the gift of healing. I have seen churches pray for the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues. And praise God, one night I was in Florida, we had 10,000 people, we had 3,000 people receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking tongues. But tonight, listen to this, I have never seen a church pray for specifically the gift of faith. Now look me in the eye, I want you to know what the gift of faith is. The gift of faith is a supernatural consciousness that God cannot fail you. It changes the way you speak. When you face a challenge, you no longer curse it, nurse it, rehearse it, shame it, or blame it. You stand your ground, and in the middle of it all, you make an announcement. My God is faithful. My God is able. My God will make a way for me where there is no way. My God is bigger. I don't care. Some things I may not understand, but there's one thing I do understand. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man he should repent. If God said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll bring it to pass. And ladies and gentlemen, we're all going to face challenges. Everybody I know is either going into a challenge, going through a challenge, or coming out of a challenge. But God doesn't put them there, allow them to be there, I should say, to sink you. He wants to use them to promote you. And when you have the gift of faith, you don't respond like the world does. You don't hang your head and curse it, nurse it, and rehearse it. Why does it always happen to me? I'm always going through this. You know what? The devil has no more legal right to you than you give him with your own words. Do you know, you frame your world by the words you speak. Are you ready for this? One of the leading scientists in America proved that he's not even a Christian to my knowledge. He had this powerful microscope and a glass of water. And he showed the molecules in the water. And if somebody shouted, cursed, played obnoxious music, the molecules, the molecular appearance of the molecules looked crunched. It looked like condensed. And, but when somebody spoke peace, a prayer, spoke a kind word, the molecules in the water looked like a star that opened and sparkled. And you know what the scientist said? When you speak words with your mouth, they don't just drop in front of you. They affect the molecular composition of the entire world around you and it keeps on going like a chain reaction that even could go around the world and this morning Jesus said there's only one way to move a mountain and that is to speak to the mountain don't doubt in your heart but believe the things you come to pass and listen to this the enemy is using 
a spirit of discouragement in America. I just saw in the news, one out of four Americans is addicted to a poppy seed pendular. I just saw in the news, listen to this, a leading psychologist said 80% of America, in his opinion, is going through some kind of depression. We are only 5% of the world, but guess what? They said we take 85% of the drugs, antidepressant, anti-suicide, and guess what that means? We are under attack in the spirit world by a spirit of discouragement. And I have never met so many people in the church who are discouraged and they've lost, they have lost their expectation of God doing something great. How many of you know the devil wants to steal your faith for your future? Because God will do all you believe him for. And if you get wrapped up and, and if you get stuck spiritually, you stop believing God for great things, you'll stop seeing great things. Come on, somebody. But when you receive, I'm going to impart and I'm going to pray over you. And I'm believing every person in this church is going to receive the gift of faith. And listen to this. In the last three years, we've had 17 churches doubled their attendance within two weeks of when we went to schools. But the Lord told me this morning, when I pray this over this church, that in the next year, this church is going to double in attendance. I'm believing, ladies and gentlemen, when you receive the gift of faith, never again can the devil push you around. You don't care what people say or think. I don't care what people say or think. It doesn't matter the size of the problem, the odds against you. It doesn't matter. When people count you out, God counts you in. And guess what? When you stand your ground in the middle of, you have every excuse to run for the hills. You have every excuse to hang your head and curse, nurse, and rehearse, shame and blame it. And you announce, my God is faithful, my God is able, my God loves me, loyal, and he will not let, he will not fail me. He will make a way for me where there is no way. Come on. When you announce God's character, the Bible says, with the gift of faith, you speak to things that aren't as though they are, and God will bring them to pass. I'm, I'm coming to the last part, but listen to me closely. You know Moses led two million out of Egypt, and they came to the Red Sea. Listen closely. Two million began to curse it, nurse it, and rehearse it. Here comes the Egyptians. Look at their swords. They had the sharpest swords and spears in the world. And all the people, the Bible says, begin to go, we should have stayed in Egypt. It's Moses' fault. Moses. It's, guess what? That's human nature to curse, nurse, rehearse, shame, and blame. And most people open their mouth when they face a crisis or a challenge. But Moses, the Bible says, you know what Moses did? There are two million by the river, cursing, nursing, rehearsing. Moses climbed up on a rock, the Bible said, and he made an announcement. Everybody say, made an announcement. You know what Moses announced? The Egyptians you see today, you will never see them again. God in heaven said, I have to honor that. I have to honor his faith. I, and you know what? It wasn't his staff that parted the Red Sea. It was his announcement that God could not fail. How many of you know that's what parted the Red Sea? Listen. Sarah was over 90 years old, and she told all her friends, God promised me I'm going to have a baby. And all her friends laughed at her. But you know what she said when her friends laughed at her? And she looked at her wrinkled skin, and it seemed humanly impossible. You know what she opened her mouth and said? I will have a baby because my God is faithful. And the Bible said when she had her baby, her baby became more in number than all the stars in the sky or the sand by the seashore because she judged him faithful who had promised. Let me tell you, when you face a challenge, 
and you don't back up or back down, when you have a setback and you don't take a step back, you step up and you make an announcement and you announce God's character. My God is faithful. My God is able. My God will make a way for me. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging for bread. How many of you understand that's the gift of faith? I said when you speak to things that aren't as though they are. How many understand it? when you have the gift of faith, you're not run by your emotions? You're not, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Come on, everybody say, I don't care what it looks like. Everybody say, I don't care what people say or think. Everybody say, I will stand my ground. And I will announce, my God is faithful. My God is able. He's bigger than any mistake I've ever made. He will make a way for me where there is no way. And how many of you know when you operate in the gift of faith, there's no devil in hell that can stop you? Come on. I said, how many of you know when you operate? It only took one to save two million. Two million operated in the hearsing, nursing, and rehearsing, but it only took one hero to announce we will never see them again because I have a supernatural consciousness. My God cannot fail me. How many of you want the Holy Spirit to give you a supernatural consciousness? How many of you understand the gift of faith has its own language? It has its own way of thinking. How many of you understand no longer can the devil ever push you around again? How many of you know you become unstoppable for God? How many are ready to receive? I'm going to give you one last example and put it on the screen, please. And I'm closing these last few minutes, but I'm going to pray over you. First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. And this is so powerful. It got so bad, Israel was like America today. They started putting Babylonians in leadership. They were so discouraged. They were so liberal. They were so discouraged. They looked for a hero. And how many of you know if Israel was going to get a hero? You know where it come from? It would come from Judah. How many of you know Judah was God's special group of his special group? How many understand Judah, surely, but guess what happened in Judah? For 200 years, there were no stories for God. For 200 years, God couldn't tell one story. Did you know God wants to tell your story forever? How many believe God wants to give you a story? You know, I'm... The Bible says God collects the tears of the saints in golden vials. But I'm here to tell you, God wants to give you a story of what something you do for him and that he is going to brag on and tell forever. But in Judah, it got so bad. They got so discouraged. Guess what, how bad it got? The, a mother gave birth to her child, and she named her baby Sorrow and Pain. And you know why that's so bad? Because in Israel, when you called a child, you didn't just call it by its name. You called it by what its name meant. So how many understand this child was born at the wrong place at the wrong time and was called? So, and it says here, look in the screen. Can you put it on the screen? First Chronicle chapter 4, verse 9 on the screen. It says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, look, everybody, I bore him with sorrow. Can you imagine being that discouraged, that depressed, naming your baby sorrow and pain? Watch this. But when he grew up, and it became his moment, and how many of you believe all of us are in our moment? Remember we have all of eternity to be in heaven, shout and sing and dance and how many of you know this is your moment to do something for God? Come on, is anybody here this morning? No stories, no heroes, and my name is Sorrow and Pain. But it says, Jabez, he did the opposite of what everybody expected. He called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me. That you would enlarge my coast of be my increase. That you would put your hand upon me, put your favor, that's, and that you would keep me from evil. 
and I will not be discouraged. And the Bible says, and God answered the next verse or the rest of the verse, God answered his prayer. And it goes on to say, he became more blessed than all of his relatives combined. Now picture this. Now picture this. When everything in him wanted to join the crowd, he had every reason to hang his head and say, how could my parents name me so? God, I can't, I'm, everybody around me is discouraged. How can I do that? I, I'm, I've been called a loser so many times. He didn't do that. You know what he did? He opened his mouth and said, Lord, if you bless me, that's all I need. It doesn't matter what my name is. It doesn't matter what people think or say. It doesn't matter what time I'm living in. If you bless me, that's all I need. How many of you know, ladies and gentlemen, when you're in a crisis or a challenge, you just need to stop wherever you are and call God's blessing into your life. And then he said, listen, look me in the eye. He said, will you be my increase? Will you increase my territory and push back my horizons? When you make Jesus your increase, how many know nothing could be your decrease? And then he said, put your hand. Ooh, anytime, in the, anytime in the Bible where it says God put his hand, that means God's favor. Do you know what God's favor means? When the God of the universe becomes personally involved in your everyday life and he makes sure things go right and shocks he spites your enemy and surprises your friends. How many of you know that's God's favor? And then he said, Lord, put your favor upon me. And he said, keep me from evil. And I will not, I will not, I will not be discouraged. Everybody in this church say it with me. I will. That is a prayer that moved God. He was in a circumstance that he had every reason for an excuse to fail. How many believe everybody in here, we all have an excuse to fail? How many believe we all have an excuse to, to curse it, nurse it, and rehearse it? But he did the opposite. If you want to see the opposite, you got to do the opposite. And you know what he did? He said, Lord, if you bless me, that's all I need. I'm going to pray over you the gift of faith. I'm going to impart to you. A, I believe the Holy Spirit, please give everyone here a supernatural consciousness that God cannot fail them. I'm going to close with this story that I'm going to pray over you. I know we may run a couple minutes over, but I'm going to tell you that this is on a unique occasion because you're about ready to see something you may have never seen before. Because I'm, when I impart to you the gift of faith, I'm believing this is going to open a new season starting today of God's favor and God's promotion over your family, your family. God cannot resist the gift of faith. Now watch this. Did you see the guys on my team? All of them are good-looking, clean-cut guys. Now, I don't hire them for that reason, but they just happen to be that way. But I had one guy on my team for 20 years that was the scariest-looking guy you've ever seen. He had a bald head with a huge scar across his head. His skin looked melted. You know why he had a scar on his head that you could see from 40 feet away? He was shot three times in the head when he was a child with a 45 caliber pistol. And part of his frontal lobe of his brain was missing. He was covered with melted skin. You know why? Because when he was in San Quentin prison, he was an Aryan brother, part of the hate group. And he got racial tattoos everywhere. But when he got saved... He had them all lasered off, and it melted his skin. He would rather have melted skin than racial tattoos. You know who his father was? The president of Hell's Angels. And guess what? By the age six, he had already done his first drug deal. He'd been abused and molested in every way you could be. And by the age 16, his father was the president of Hell's Angels. His mother was the only woman ever given colors by the Hell's Angels. At the age 16, he did his three, third felony, and he was put in prison for life at 16. When he was done with juvenile prison in California, they moved him, and guess what prison they moved him to? San Quentin Prison. And you know who he became? 
known as America's meanest prisoner. He was so mean, they had to put a mask over his face because he would bite the guards. He was so mean, a minister couldn't even visit him. And guess how mean he was? On TV shows, magazines called him America's meanest prisoner. And the other prisoners in San Quentin had a meeting, and they gave him a nickname. You know what his name became in, in the prison of San Quentin? They said, we give you a biblical name. We will call you Legion. Which means, remember Jesus cast the, deep, the man in the graveyard covered with blood, and he cut himself and ran naked screaming, and Jesus said, demons, what's your name? And remember the demons cried out of his mouth, we are Legion. Means possessed with 10,000 demons. Let me tell you, for 16 years, he never had a visitor. For 16 years, he never had a visitor. But one day, he got his first visitor. You know who it was? His 83-year-old grandmother. She was 5 feet 1. She weighed 100 pounds. And she was 83 years old. And she, she rode a Greyhound bus from Washington, D.C. all the way to San Quentin Prison in California. Now, she's 83... She weighs 100 pounds, and she's this tall. But they led her to see her grandson. The only way that he had a visitor, it had to be a blood relative. She came to his cell, and they began to open the door. And how many of you believe if anybody had a reason to hang their head, to curse it, nurse it, and rehearse it, she did. In the natural, you would think she would say, my poor grandson, he's in here for life. There's no way he'll ever get out. My poor grandson, he's, everybody knows him in America as the meanest prisoner. His name is Legion. He's possessed by 10,000 demons. But no, but no, she did the opposite. When they opened the prison door, you know what she did? She made an announcement. She pointed her finger at her grandson and out loud, she announced, you will be saved, you will be free, and you will be a preacher. Now listen. You know what God in heaven said? I have to do that. I can't resist it. Just like God can't resist a sinner's prayer, God cannot resist the gift of faith. And guess what? That night, he had a dream that Jesus touched his head. Two months later, they did an MRI. His brain had grown back. He started 20 Bible studies, and he went to the guards that he bit their flesh, and he said, please forgive me, crying. He hadn't cried in 26 years. He said, forgive me, I'm now a child of God. Two months later, they came to him and said, we've made a mistake on your third strike. We have to release you from prison tomorrow. And guess what? You want to hear something wild? Two months later, guess where he was? On my team. Listen, he, wait. He traveled with me for 20 years. And you want to hear something wild? He averaged leading five people every day to Jesus. I mean, I, no, I'm, not, I'm not talking about on the stage. Uh -uh. I mean, every store, every restaurant, every hitchhiker, every gym. Every day he went to a gym. Because he was like also the strongest man. And guess what? He led some. I, I picked him up in the airport four years ago. He was praying with ten soldiers. And I, uh, we were in Chicago in the middle, after midnight, after a meeting. And 25 gang members walked in. And I thought, oh, my Lord. I, I put my sandwich down and just started praying. I looked up. He had all 25 of them joined in a circle in the middle of Subway praying, Jesus, come in my heart. Now, let me ask you. Let me ask you. What? could cause that kind of shift in the spirit? What could cause America's meanest prisoner to become America's greatest soul winner? What could cause that kind of shift of momentum? One little grandma that weighed 100 pounds, she didn't curse it, nurse it, rehearse it, shame it or blame it. She stood her ground in the middle of it all, and she made an announcement. You will be saved. 
you will be free, and you will be a preacher. How many of you know that's called the gift of faith, a supernatural consciousness? God cannot fail you. And get ready, because here it comes. I said, get ready, because here it comes. Get ready, because here it comes. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, fill this place. Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, fill this place. Holy Spirit, fill this place. Lord, I'm asking you that everyone here today would receive the gift of the faith. I rebuke every injury, every, every negative word. I rebuke every religious spirit. I announce the gift of faith is coming. I announce the Holy Spirit is moving. Angels, fill this place. Lord, I thank you that church is going to double in the next, in the next 12 months. I thank you that this church is going to be a banner-carrying church in this last day outpouring. I announced the gift. Father, you said, you promised. You promised, Lord, if we would ask you for the gifts of the Spirit, you would give them to us. Now, everybody here, I want you to pray with me. Get ready. I want you to cup your hands in front of you like you're trying to hold water. Everybody put your palms together in front of you. I don't know why. But any time in the Bible when somebody did a symbol when they prayed, God answered every single time. So as a symbol of surrender to the Holy Spirit, cup your hands together in front of you. And I want everyone in here to pray this prayer with me. Everyone that can hear my voice say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I surrender all to you. From this day forward, I not only receive salvation, I ask you to own my life. The thoughts I think, the motives of my heart, I ask God to own my life. And because he owns me, he will fix me. Because he owns me, he will defend me. He will promote me. He will raise me up. Heavenly Father, here I am. Not just part of me, but all of me. And in the name of Jesus, according to Joel chapter 2, whatever the devil has stolen from me, I call it back sevenfold before the end of this year. For every setback story, God's going to give me a comeback story. And according to the book of Isaiah, every word of slander that's ever been used against me, God's going to use to promote me in the next months to come. Heavenly Father, you promised me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 if I would ask you for the gifts of the Spirit, you promised you'd give them to me. So Holy Spirit, giver of the gifts, I ask you for the gift of faith. By faith, through faith, with the anointing of God, I receive the gift of faith. From this day forward, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the odds against me are. I don't care what people say or think. I will stand my ground. And I'll make an announcement. In the middle of it all. My God is faithful. My God is able. My God is bigger. He will make a way for me where there is no way. He will not forget me. This is my season to bear fruit. It will not be cut short. I will be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. My leaves will not wither, and whatever I do shall prosper. 
Now here we go. Get ready. Everybody pray this. Blessing of God. Come into my life. Favor of God. Come into my life. Dear Heavenly Father. I make you my source. Jesus is my source. I'm leaving the land of not enough. I'm leaving the land of just enough. And today, I'm going to the land of more than enough. By the anointing of God. And Lord, protect me against evil. And I will not be discouraged. I will not be discouraged. Because this is my moment. Lord, give me a story for you. And in the name of Jesus, I open a new season of God's favor and God's promotion over my family, over my finances, and over my future. Starting today. And there's nothing the devil can do to stop it. In the name of Jesus, I will not step back because my setbacks are going to become comebacks. God will redeem. He will restore. And he will reconcile. In the name of Jesus, amen. Raise both hands and thank God right now for the gift of faith. I impart to you the gift of faith. I impart the anointing for the gift of faith. I impart the language of faith. I impart the courage of the gift of faith. I pray for the anointing of the gift of faith. I announce the prayer of Jabez. Holy Spirit, perform the prayer of Jabez in these people's lives. Everybody say, Holy Spirit. Perform the prayer of Jabez in my life from this day forward. I'm never looking back. Say that like you mean it. I am never looking back. I'm only going forward. God's best is ahead of me. He's not done with me. He's invested way too much in me. He's got a great future for me. This is my season. I will not miss it. In the name of Jesus, by the power of God, by the anointing, I will walk in the gift of faith. I have a supernatural consciousness. My God cannot fail me. I will talk like it. I will act like it. And I will live like it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, one more time. Thank God. Come on, one more time. Thank God. Thank him for the gift of faith. I'm not joking. Thank him for the gift of faith. Come on. The curse has been reversed. I said the curse has been reversed. I said the curse has been reversed. I pronounce you free in the name of Jesus. All guilt, fear, Worry, discouragement. I rebuke the spirit of discouragement and replace it with the zeal of God. With the, the spirit of heaviness has to go in a garment of praise. Thank you, Father. A new season. A new season. A new season. Everybody say, I'm going to start announcing over my home, over my finances, over my family. I am not going to curse it. I'm not going to nurse it. I'm not going to rehearse it. I'm not going to shame it. And I'm not going to blame it. I will open my mouth and I will announce, my God is faithful. My God is able. 
my God will make a way for me where there is no way. He will make it up to me. He is my defense. There are many that rise up against me. There are many that say there is no hope for me. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory and the lifter of my head. Holy Spirit, lift my head. Say it again. Holy Spirit, lift my head. I will not stand for discouragement. Holy Spirit, lift my head. Holy Spirit, lift my head. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The devil is trying to put your head down, but, the, but God Almighty wants to be your glory and the lifter of your head. He had the first word and he will have the last. He's not the son of man that he should lie, neither the son of man he should repent. If God said it, he'll do it. If he's spoken, he'll bring it to pass. Come on, that's one last time. Thank him for his faith. God, we are thankful that you're loyal love. You're full of mercy. Glory to God. Woo!